Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hello, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to Impact Cyber Church. You're going to church with people all over the world right at this very minute. You know something? We're living in a day where people, they want God. They're hungry for reality, but they're sick of religion. Now, usually when people think of religion, they think of buildings or that sort of thing. But the truth is, the buildings are not the problem. We need buildings meeting. The problem is religious people who don't build a relationship with God and they make this about rules, regulations, and systems, all that kind of stuff. But you know something? We're living in a day where people want God more than any time that I've ever seen in my whole life as a minister. Listen, this month we're continuing on the same theme as we were talking about last month. And starting today, we're going to be talking about loving in the light. Because remember, we're talking about the trifecta. We're talking about life, light, and love. And there's nothing more important for you to grasp than the life of God. So I'll be back in just a minute. Don't go away. I've got a free message for this month called Angels of Light, Authors of Deception. I want to tell you something. We have talked about and we think that we know about angels of light. I'm going to show you something that's going to open your eyes to the true deception in this world. You know, Jesus made an incredibly powerful and interesting statement to his disciples. I want you to understand something. There are many things that Jesus said to disciples Now, a disciple is someone who is building their life on Jesus' interpretation and model of the Word of God. It's very important that you understand that. That's why living this new life and making this kingdom journey begins with believing that God raised Jesus from the dead, but then confessing Him as Lord. That word confess means to say the same thing. And so, Many of the things that Jesus said to his disciples about identity, about influence, about power, the truth is that doesn't apply to every person who just calls themselves a Christian. Because those people, some of them are born again, some of them are not born again. But the truth is, many people who call themselves Christians, the majority of their life decisions are not based on the Word of God. Now, in Matthew, the fifth chapter, 14th verse, Jesus said this, and he's talking to disciples. He says, You are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it on a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to who, all who are in the house. So let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. I want to tell you something, that passage of Scripture says so many things that are contradictory to the pop theology that's floating around out there today. It doesn't matter if it's some of those denominational religious stuff or it's the pop theology of the people who think they're getting all these great insights into God that they can't really prove from the Bible. They're just coming out of their own minds. But first and foremost, I want you to understand something. When Jesus talks about us being the light in the world, This is a throwback to what John opened with in the Gospel of John, where it said that Jesus was the life of men, and the life is the light. And remember, we talked about the fact that light reveals 
who God is. Now, Jesus is the only person qualified to reveal who God really is. He's the only person qualified to show us how God really works, or how to interpret God's Word. He's the only person qualified to show us what God's Word looks like when we put it in practice. So if your interpretation and application of the Word of God is not based on Jesus' teaching, the model of his life, and what he accomplished through the death, burial, and resurrection, then the real truth is your life is not light. You know, Jesus said in a very important scripture, he's talking about the eye, the perception, the way we see things, being the light of the body. And he says, now, if that light that is in you is a darkness, how great is that darkness? See, many people, their revelation, their concept of who God is, of what they believe about God is not biblically based. I talk to people all the time who are in a mess. And they'll call me up wanting help, and I'll say, okay, then let's address this belief. And they'll say, well, I don't believe that. I believe something else. And I'll say, well, can you show me scripturally why you believe that? And they'll say, well, you know, God just showed it to me. Well, God's not going to show you anything that's contradictory to the Bible. It's either going to be directly in the Bible or it's going to be congruent with the Bible because the Holy Spirit only speaks what He got from Jesus, and Jesus only speaks what He got from the Father. And so... You want to understand these Christians that are not building their life on Jesus' interpretation and application of the Word of God, their light, what they consider to be light, what they consider to be their Christian life is really darkness. In other words, it's obscuring people's capacity to see who God really is. If we don't apply God's Word from His original motive and intention, which is always love, if that's not the way we interpret and apply all of the commandments of God, then the real truth is we are not light to the world. We are darkness in the world. We're turning people away from God. We're making people hate God, making people afraid of God. We're making people where they can't trust God. And so, I made a few other really interesting statements here that challenge much pop theology today. He said this. He said, you know, he talked about you take a light and you don't put it under a basket. You put it on a lampstand. Why? So that it will give light to everybody who is in the house. We can give light to the people around us, the people who don't know God. See, winning the lost is more about modeling who God is than it is trying to get them converted. Because when you're trying to get them converted, many times you put them in an antagonistic or defensive mode. Whereas if you're just treating people the way God said to treat people, they begin to see a whole new picture of God. But anyhow, so he says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, again, there is a group of people today that consider themselves to be grace teachers and they're really confused. And the minute you talk about behavior, the minute you talk about any kind of works, it's like, oh, no, no, I'm delivered from works. No, you're delivered from dead works. We were saved by grace through faith. And it says that we are saved unto good works. In other words, if we're saved, it should produce good works and not just obeying the rules. Let's kind of look at this and see what this is, this whole concept here. And let me say this. If your good works are based on the love of God, if they're based on taking God's word and that's the way you treat people, then God is glorified 
And you're just secondary and things. It's not about making you look good. It's about making God look good. But that word good, where it talks about good works, could be translated beautiful, you know, in a positive way that something looks. But chiefly, it's talking about being valuable and virtuous. So good works are works that are virtuous and that are valuable. Valuable to who? Valuable to the person's life. Valuable to their relationship with God. See, that's the thing. We just want to make people obey the rules sometimes. We just want to tell people what they ought to be doing, and we're not showing them how God's Word can be valuable to bring peace in their life, valuable to build their family, valuable to get them physically and emotionally healthy. For most people, the Word of God is not valuable. It is merely a an obligation or a burden that we feel like we've got to do in order to keep God happy. And that word works is another interesting word because this is not so much talking about religious works. This is not talking about your prayer life. It's not talking about your giving. It's not talking about how much you go to church, even though all of those things are important. Works has to do with a task, an act, or a deed, or actually a thing that's done, business, employment. In other words, that with which anyone is occupied. So in reality... Whatever I'm occupied with, if I am applying the interpretation that Jesus gave to God's Word, that I am going to bring value to God's Word. I'm going to bring value to being a believer. You know, many of the people that I've won to the Lord personally over these last 45 years has simply because they came to my house, they sat in my house, they saw how me and Brenda get along, they saw how we managed our children, they saw how we treated people, and when they would ask me questions, I could tell them, you know, from a biblical perspective why I did things the way I did, and suddenly God's Word started making sense. It became practical. It became valuable to them. So if we are actually going to be light in the world, then we're going to manifest very certain characteristics of a disciple that shows the world or the people around us who God really is, what His true nature, what His true motives are, and everything that's ever said and done. Now, there's some characteristics of a disciple. First and foremost, disciples have life. They are not walking in the light to find life. They're not walking in the light to get life, which is how most of us think. We think, I got to walk in the light so I can get more life. No, because they have life, they have experienced life, then they have a desire to walk in the light. Again, why? Because it was practical. It was valuable. Connecting with Jesus and experiencing the life of God is valuable and practical. So I want to continue to walk in His ways. He is my Lord. I am a disciple. Man, listen, if this sounds burdensome to you, just hang in here with me because this is going to get better and better and easier and easier. So don't go away. I'll be back in just a few minutes. Take good notes and go back and reread these notes and watch this program as many times as you can because most of the time you'll find every time you watch it, you're going to see something new. I'll be back in just a minute. My new series, Trifecta, Life, Light, and Love, it's going to give you the tools to guard your heart. You know, Jesus warned that the greatest thing that we were going to be facing in this era that we're living in is deception. Well, I want to tell you something. If you have the light, you can't be drawn into the darkness. And not only is this going to help you have the life, it's going to show you how to connect to the life so that the quality of life that you experience is not based on anything that's going on around you.
All right, we're talking about the characteristics of a disciple and how that disciple brings light. Now, light only shows the way to life. In other words, information itself, revelation itself is not life. You know, I've seen this in the charismatic, word of faith, Pentecostal, and now in some of the grace people, where there is this idea that knowledge is the equivalent to life. And so everybody wants a new revelation. Everybody wants to connect to God and get this revelation. Well, you know something? Information doesn't do anything but puff up your ego, according to the Apostle Paul. Information is valuable, but truth, true information is only valuable in the sense that it lights the path, the way that you want to walk so that you go to God personally and you connect with Him personally through the Lord Jesus and because in Him is the life. And now remember, you know, Jesus came and He said, this is life to know God and Jesus Christ whom He has sent. So life doesn't come from knowing about God. It doesn't matter what kind of revelation you got. It doesn't even matter if it's true or not. What matters is, did that become something that propelled you to connecting to God for yourself? Or did you just embrace the information and you get excited about the fact that you know something that somebody else doesn't know, but it really doesn't change your life. And so before long, you need a new revelation. Before long, you need a new piece of information or inspiration. And this is where people get into error because they need something to excite them. But the problem is, it's just like a junkie who every time they want to get high, it takes more dope to get them high. And so people who are building their life around information or personal revelation, they always need a more grand a revelation. They always need something nobody else can see. And before long, they need something that's, that's not even in the Bible. And before long, they're denying what's in the Bible. You don't want to go down the path of personal revelation. You want to go down this path where truth becomes a light to your path, and it inspires you to go connect to God personally. So disciples they always have the life, and they're always seeking the life, and light or information is only valuable and important to the degree that it helps them see more about who God is, therefore they go and personally connect to God. You know, Jesus said in the book of John, he says, people who follow him will always walk in light, and they would never walk in darkness, and they would never have any occasion for stumbling in them. What does that mean, to walk in the light? What does that mean? If you're following Jesus, you'll walk in the light. Man, this is what 1 John was all about, because these Gnostics, these people that were information mongers, they came in, and they began to replace intimacy with Jesus with information, and before long, their doctrine departed totally from the Scripture and they had their own personal revelations about Jesus, and it just became a chaotic mess. But remember, God's Word is a light and a lamp. I always get these two confused, but I think it's a light to your path, a lamp to your feet, or maybe vice versa, but you get the idea. The God's Word is always the light that shows you how to walk the path, but the path is just to get you intimately connected with God in a new area of your life, not just to give you some information and say, whoopee, I've got the light. So light, first and foremost, is always God's Word. 
But remember, people have taken God's word and beat the world to pieces. People have taken God's word and they have condemned people. They've used it to judge other people. And the main thing that people do with God's word or God's commands is they apply it to other people rather than to themselves. And so Jesus came as the only person qualified to show us how to interpret God's word and showed us and taught us that the first and most important thing is to love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, love your neighbor and love yourself. So Jesus brought everything into perspective. He said, hang all the commandments on this. So this means that I am only applying God's word, not when I'm obeying the letter of the law. The letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Now, some people say, okay, then there's the letter and then there's the spirit over here just leading you to do all kinds of stuff. No, there's the letter of application then there's the way the Spirit of God is going to lead you into application, and He's going to lead you into application based on what Jesus taught us and showed us. So you're only walking in the light when, first of all, it is based on the Word of God, and then secondly, it is being interpreted and applied from the motive of love. And if you're applying the Word of God in any way to yourself or to anybody else, and it's not from the motive of love, you're probably doing more damage than good. Your light is actually darkness and you're obscuring people's capacity to be able to see who God really is. In 1 John 2 verse 5, the writer says this, but whosoever keeps his word, that word keeps, it's not talking about a, a legalistic obedience. The word keeps, when it talks about keeping the word of God, it's talking about honoring it, about watching over it, about considering it precious, about staying within this realm of the word of God. In other words, people who walk in the light don't depart from the word of God. That's what the whole first chapter of 1 John was about people who were departing from the word of God. And that is a type of sin. It doesn't mean they've become sinners with a sin nature again. It means that they are getting into darkness. So he says, whoever keeps, watches over, holds his precious, his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. Now the word perfected very rarely does it talk about flawlessness or, or something, you know, being perfect in every way. The word perfected is one of those words that has to do with something reaching its ultimate or perfect goal or perfect end. And I think I've shared this with you before, even this series. You know, the love of God is only perfected in us when we experience His love in our own heart. And so that's going to cause us to fall in love with Him. You know, there are many, many people... And, you know, I, I was the first person to start doing this 40 years ago, talking about how that we put too much emphasis on us loving God, and we need to have more emphasis on God loving us. And that's true, but people have run off the rails with that to make it to the point, God loves me, so it doesn't matter if I love Him or not. It doesn't matter if the world loves Him or not. No, God loves us, and that love, if experienced, unless we are corrupt, hard-hearted, committed to perversion, unless we're committed to destruction, experiencing the love of God should make us fall in love with Him and be more faithful to Him. It's just like our marriage. You know, if your wife loves you, that doesn't make you want to go cheat on her. If your wife loves you, it should make you fall in love more deeply with your wife. So love that's perfected is love that's given. We experience it. We fall in love with God. See, when we fall in love with God, and this is kind of the missing piece of this equation, and love has to do with value. If I truly value God, then I will value what and who God values. The person who's in love with God doesn't reject God's Word. 
The person that's in love with God doesn't reject people, no matter how bad they are. You know, you might realize you have to be distant from somebody because they're mean and hurtful and you can't go around them. But you never reach that place where you consider them as worthless. You never reach that place where you desire destruction for them. No, you desire that they come to know God, that they get out of their destructive ways, and they enjoy life and they become a blessing. So it says, whoever's really staying attuned to God's Word, that God's love is perfected in Him. It says, by this we know that we're in Him. Now, I want you to understand something. The only way that God's love is being perfected is when I not only take His love that I'm experiencing, but also when I take His Word, His commandments, and that's the way that I treat other people. Now, this is so incredibly important because if I'm not loving people based on the Word of God, you know, it's the Word of God tells you not to lie to people, not to cheat people, not to wrong people, not to be unfaithful to your spouse, you know, not to steal. It tells you what to do and what not to do. And if I look at that and rather than make that a set of legalistic rules, I say, you know something, this is God showing me the kind of values that if I'm walking in love, this is how it's going to come out. It's going to look like this. This is not what I'm going to use to judge other people. This is what I'm going to use to set my own life on the path. This is what I'm going to use to determine how I want to relate to other people, how I intend to treat other people. Now, the church and definitely the world, see, the world has completely departed from the biblically-based concept of love based on God's commandments. How do I treat people? How do I talk to people? How do I handle my money? How do I raise my kids? And we have replace that with humanism, which means that we have come up with our own philosophies of political correctness and all these things that are contrary to the Word of God. And we now have a whole new base of morals, values, and standards that is totally contrary to the Word of God. Well, see, I'm not loving. Love isn't perfected in me if I'm treating you the way political correctness says I need to treat you. Love is perfected in me if I treat you the way God says to treat you. Love is perfected in me when I'm wanting to show you God. You know, 1 John 4, 12 says this, No one has seen God at any time, but if we love one another, God abides in us, and His love has been perfected in us. So I used to wonder, why was that scripture put there, just like in the first chapter of John, well, after it tells about Jesus bringing grace and truth. It brings us up about nobody seeing God. Well, it was brought up in the gospel of John, the first chapter, because he was pointing out that Jesus was the only person who was God, who was with God, who had seen God, and was one with God. And so he was the only person that could actually take what God had said and turn it into truth. That's when the commandments are applied from God's motives, God's perspectives, God's values. Well, likewise... The world can't look at Jesus now, but they are looking at us. And so the question is this, am I a light? Am I a person that shows people how valuable God's Word is? Do I treat people? Do I manage my life? You know, I'm not saying you have to have perfect kids. I'm not saying you have to make everything work perfectly. But I'm saying you're working and doing all that you do from God's love. And you know what? When you do that here in this real world, people see it. They appreciate it, they value it, and eventually they are going to want what you have. Eventually they're going to start having value for what you value. And I'll tell you what, that's when it becomes a game changer. Listen, I'll be back with Mentoring Moment. Don't go away.
Hello, I'm Jim Richards. I want to invite you to some really special events that are going to be coming up that any one of these could just be so powerful for your life. The last weekend of September, and then it gets over to the first weekend in October, I am going to be in Blue Springs, Missouri, and Bob and Audrey Meisner are going to be there with me. Jimmy Bratcher is going to be there with me. And Pastor Sean Apkin is going to be there. And we're going to have a reconnect conference about reconnecting to the love of God. You know, if you've grown cold, if you've grown stale, don't live in condemnation. Don't deny it. Don't run from God. But come in. We want to share with you ways to reconnect to God and help you have those experiences right there in the seminar. Also then, later in July, here in Huntsville, Alabama, we will have Heart Physics Weekend. That's going to be a great, great weekend. i got some great material. You can go to our website and you can check all this stuff out and find out about how to register for all of these. And uh, we do want you to register. And then again, in November, I'm going to be in British Columbia doing a seminar, hopefully on dignity and worth. So be sure and check with me on that. Come and join me in one of these great seminars. You know, the Bible tells us to always speak the truth in love. You know, over the years, I've been a lot of places where people would speak the truth, and it wasn't in love. It was in judgment. It was in anger. It was in wrath. It was in condemnation. It was condescending. And it didn't help people. It crushed people and made people feel like that God was against them, especially if you're a pastor, a teacher, or just somebody that people would look up to as a believer. Speaking the truth in love, those two things, truth and love, should be among our greatest objectives as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, remember, I'm not following Jesus to get more life. I'm following Jesus because I'm experiencing life in my connection with Him, and I am applying His truth because His truth is the way that Everything should be done. It shows me the wisdom of God. It shows me how to function in planet Earth. You know, so many believers don't know how to take the Word of God and function with it in real everyday situations. As a disciple, as someone who is trying to follow Jesus, I need to be fully committed to truth, and I need to be fully committed to love. Because remember, the Word of God without love is not truth. It becomes law when it is not combined with love. So we want to always be those people who walk in love. And so the Bible tells us in 1 John 4, 17, it says, love has been perfected among us in this. In other words, you know, part of the perfection of the goal of love is that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as He is, so are we in this world. Well, I got news for you. The judgment that we're going to face most of the time is the judgment of other people and the judgment of ourselves. And when we walk in love toward other people, then we don't get caught in judgment. We don't get caught in condemnation. And we don't beat ourselves up. When we walk in love with other people, what happens is our heart stops condemning us and then we can move into this place of faith that's unlike anything that we've probably ever experienced. So make it your goal, truth and love. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.